0: Once More With Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Ginny. And today we are back talking. I'm like stalling because what are we talking about? (laughs) Listening
1: to fear for Buffy and the trial for Angel. Thank you. One of us (laughs) took better notes than the other, I guess.
0: I didn't label my notes. That's my problem. Yeah. Um, I was like, how long can I talk around this before I have to actually say these titles? Quickly ran out of room. Um, yeah. So, uh, how are you doing, Ginny?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm tired because it's been a busy, kind of packed weekend, like friends in town and other just activities. But um, pretty good. I was telling Allie before we started recording that I went to the, um, I got to go to this curator-led exhibit uh, or tour of the musical instruments exhibit at the Met, and it was pretty cool. I also just have, I've only been to the Met maybe one or two other times, but like never spent a significant amount of time there. But, it, it, you know, it's just like a, it's huge. Like you could spend days going through it. They also have this, Um, like, I didn't, I don't really understand the angle of the exhibit exactly, but they have a fashion exhibit there now that's like, something about like religious influence on fashion or something like that. But the that wasn't what the exhibit that we went to, but you walked through it to get back out of the museum. We walked through it and it, it was this huge room. They've got like actual religious statues all over the place. And then a bunch of like, you know, mannequins wearing like Dior and like, I don't know what other, I can't think, literally can't think of another name of a designer off the tip of my head, but um, maybe some Alexander McQueen or, like, whatever. And it's, like, things that have angel wings or things that have, like, crosses or things that are, like, really um, gilded. You know, like, that kind of thing. But they were also just, like, blaring, like, Catholic-ish, maybe, organ music. (laughs) Like, it was a really intense room. Like, you walked in, you are like, whoa.
0: (laughs) No, that's Um, the, um... That's why the Met Gala this year was like the Catholic. Theme oh yeah, that makes sense. They're that's like the opening exhibit. that exhibit, I think.
1: Yeah. I know the name of it because yeah. I read it everywhere yesterday, but I already forgot. So.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I think they have like a revolving fashion exhibit or something. Mm-hmm. But no, I I agree. Like I think there's always this weird tone around the Met. Like when you go to New York, people are like, "Oh, like the Met is so touristy," but it's like, it's amazing. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. It there's was really, really cool. cool
1: things in there. Yeah, I mean, and even the exhibit that we went to. Yeah, it was like this, it was like musical instruments and the way that they've laid it out is like basically like musical instruments through time. So it was like starting with like the earliest known p- pieces of musical instrument or like things that made music that they could get their hands on, you know, starting from like thousands BC to like, this is something we acquired last year in China. This is like experimental stringed instrument. So it was really cool. That does sound um, really neat. But yeah, I, yeah. So I've been doing that and then also going to bars and staying out too late. <laughs> pretending that I'm young.
0: Yes, I stayed out too late last night as well. <laughs> Let's just say I'm not feeling 100. percent Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's been a good weekend. Uh, you know, my mom was in town, so I got to see mm-hmm. her, and um, I went to a concert on Friday night. I went oh, to that's right. Turn I didn't Poole know. Who, I don't know who
1: that is. I meant yeah. to say that all day Friday. I don't. I don't know who that is. Oh, um,
0: so he, Charlie Puth, is like this. Uh, youngish I guess like he's like mm-hmm. 26 or something I don't know but like I guess he just released like his second album but his first one was like released a couple years ago but um I'm gonna sound like I really did all this research but really I just listened to the New York Times podcast and that's mm-hmm. how I like discovered <laughs> him but which is a really funny episode highly recommend it he like was this guy like he did the Paul Walker song that was like all over the radio and nope. like he was like
1: never heard a of it. guest
0: or like wrote on like some some tracks that got like Really popular, and so they like rushed an album out for him, hmm. and the album was like, I haven't really listened to it, but mm-hmm. supposedly terrible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So then he came out with a second album, and like hmm. he like doesn't want to be associated with like the first one. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I see. He, that, like, I see a headline that says Charlie Puth got famous, then he got good. Yes, that's the New York <laughs> Times article. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's pretty much the angle of their entire story. Uh-huh. Um, but no, like the concert was really good, and like the songs are good. But then he like. Obviously, it was, like, playing, you know, the ones that were hits, because that's what people came to see. Yeah. Like, you know, people like, some people. People get mad
1: if you don't do that.
0: Yeah. But it was really strange, because at one point, he, like, took his shirt off, so he's, like, singing these, like, ballads, mm. like, shirtless. Mm-hmm. But but the whole thing is, like, he was wearing these, like, plaid pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, like, he's, like, shirtless. And then the bottom is just, like, says, like, going for golf. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a weird look like a weird yeah. like I was with yeah. my friend and we were like looking at each other like this is bizarre yeah <laughs> um but we were at um this venue that's like an outdoor amphitheater that's like and then there's like a grassy is knoll the same like,
1: place that you saw heim no, no um okay. this was down
0: in mountain view okay and you can like rent lawn chairs and like sit and like just chill and like get a carafe of wine and like sit on the mm. lawn and enjoy the show and it was great
1: that's nice
0: Yeah, it was like a very chill concert because you know like usually at concerts you're like standing or like I was just like it was very relaxing. It was nice and because it was down in Mountain View, it was warm, (laughs) so that was nice too. That is nice. Yeah, so been a busy weekend, but I did manage to squeeze in time to watch Buffy and Angel. Thank God.
1: Yeah, close call. (laughs) Gets close sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had to like drive to Sonoma last night, and I was like, okay, I gotta finish Angel before I get on the road.
1: (laughs) Um, um,
0: but I did it. Okay, so okay. we could talk about Buffy. Yeah. Listening to Fear. This is a bit of an interesting episode.
1: I was shocked. Because <laughs> we last week when we were talking, I was like, I don't even remember what this episode is about. I looked at a couple of pictures and I was like, eh, yeah, it seems like vaguely familiar. Now I'm like, how did you ever forget about this episode, Ginny? <laughs> this is like a really important one. And also, I really liked it.
0: So, um, to get into what Ginny was so amazed by, <laughs> um, <laughs> we... We open up, Joyce is still in the hospital, you know, she got the bad news at the end of the last episode that she has a brain tumor and they're going to operate on it, Um, but she's really, you know, kind of over being in the hospital and waiting Mm -hmm. around, so she's kind of campaigning to go home. Buffy's trying to take care of her, take care of Dawn, and so um, to allow Buffy to do this, everyone else is picking up the Slayer duty, Um, Mm -hmm. except Riley, who's flaking on everybody, like Last week we saw him going with a grenade. This week he's like not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're kind of bumbling their way through slaying vampires. Um, although Willow's getting really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then Willow and Tara are stargazing and they see this meteor like fall to Earth, and so they go. The, everyone goes and investigates and realize that the meteor was hollow and like something had like escaped from it wandered off and then killed someone. Mm-hmm. But this someone that got killed was someone that we had seen leaving the hospital. He's one of the mental patients mm-hmm. um, because the hospital mental ward in Sunnydale is, like, overflowing with mm-hmm. Glory's victims. Mm-hmm. And so they're releasing people who, like, basically have families that can take care of them. So this guy wandered away from his family, though, and got killed by this demon. They realize that the demon is preying on people who are seemingly kind of crazy. And Mm -hmm. so Joyce's tumor is giving her symptoms that make her seem kind of crazy. Like she's kind of behaving erratically. She's yelling out nonsense and, you know, screaming at dawn and, um, freaking everybody out generally. Mm -hmm. But, um, so Riley who has meanwhile finally done something and called in the (laughs) army to investigate this extraterrestrial event because they're not just dealing with a demon. They're dealing with like something from space. (laughs) Um, he realizes that Joyce might be in danger because this demon seems to be targeting targeting. mentally ill people. And so, um, you know, he's, like, rushing over to Buffy's house, but where it's too late, the demon's already in the house, Mm -hmm. and Joyce has been talking to it for, like, an hour. Yeah. (laughs) And the demon finally attacks Buffy with a little bit of an assist from Spike, kills the demon, and um, we learn at the end of the episode that... Ben has in fact summoned the demon because he's cleaning up Glory's mess. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know their their connection, but we know that There's Ben something. is aware yeah. who Glory is and what's going on and why yeah. the mental ward is like overfilled. Over, mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, this thing also gets into the mental ward and like kills all the kills patients so much there. People.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, Oof. and um, that's how Riley figures out that it's targeting these these people. We also see Riley continuing his blood right. sucking thing.
1: Yeah. I don't know
0: uh, yeah. what we want to call
1: that. I don't either. Um, yeah. We don't want to call it anything because we don't want it to exist. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that's basically the end of the episode.
1: Whoa, oh, you skipped over one important detail. Did I? That Joyce real find finds out the truth <gasps> oh about Dawn. Gosh. Or yes. realizes oh. the truth yes. rather. Thank Somehow you.
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, that's even in my notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So to circle back to that, Joyce realizes that something is off with Dawn and that she has these Flashes, because of her tumor, that Mm -hmm. Dawn is not hers. But she does seem to understand that Dawn is their responsibility.
1: Yeah, and she more or less implores Buffy to, like, watch after her. Like, she is one of their own.
0: Well, because she knows she loves Dawn, because the spell is still working, but she also has this knowledge that Dawn isn't Dawn. yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, we Uh. should circle back to that scene, but... We um, certainly should, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I just... I just forgot about almost every detail about this episode. Obviously as I was watching it, I remember all the scenes, but I just totally forgot that this was like so many important things happen. I mean, and it's also just one that is like on the surface, I was kind of like, why this must be why I forgot about this episode. Cause it's this dumb alien one that they threw in the middle of Buffy. But then of course there's like, they've tied it together. You know what I mean? Like I was definitely getting irritated in the beginning where I was like, why are there aliens all of a sudden we're never going to see them again. And like, whatever. But then it's like, Oh, well they're <laughs> related to glory. And specifically somebody has, called them here, so it makes a lot more sense. Um, I should have just given them credit, but I guess I don't know where you want to start, but I want to start with Ben because that was the other thing that I forgot about this episode. You know, I know how this season goes, and without really though we give a lot of spoilers, I guess maybe not about this actual season. You know, I know where some things are going to end up with Ben, and I know what his connection is to this glory storyline, but The other thing that stands out to me about Ben as a character is that he he definitely he is a really gray moral. I mean, maybe you could just say that he's evil or you could say that he's more on the bad side than good. But like he he is like one of the more expressly gray area characters in all of Buffy, I think. And he brings out that behavior in some other characters, too. But I guess I'm surprised. I forgot that, like, he he shows us, you know, that we see that so early on. I really was thinking more about later in the season when we're going to see him kind of, for similar reasons, you know, engage in some questionable ethical choices. But like, oh, he just called demons here to get rid of a bunch of of human evidence, you know?
0: Yeah, because I think... I think you're right. I think Ben is fascinating in that way because on the one hand, he's a doctor. He, he clearly wants to help people. And
1: he it, and he does want to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not. That's not like a ruse. It's not... I mean, I guess I am spoiling a little bit, but, like, it's not.
0: <laughs> right. No, it's not. But I think also, too, what we find out about Ben down the line of, like, his connection with Glory and mm-hmm. the way it works is, like he feels real guilt about what she does, because he can't stop her, and so, but he also is probably the only person truly aware of the extent of what she is capable of, right, right. and I think he's made that mental calculus of, or moral calculus, I guess, of, I'm going to do this one thing, maybe it's bad, but then it's better than the other thing that Glory could do, and he, I think he, like, you know, he does that, like, kill one person to save five kind of thing. Right, and, right, right. Um, I guess he's doing his own version of the trolley problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: shout out place. to the good place. <laughs> but
0: but he, he really, it's, I think he's, like, made that decision that, you know, and this one is t- a little bit it's tougher to tougher, swear yeah. because it's not so much about saving stopping glory as, yeah. like, stopping her from being found out. And right. it does come across a little bit as, like, saving his own somehow. skin in yeah. the process. But I think he might, maybe he thinks like if he cleans up the mess, she'll stop or something. Right, right. I mean, maybe he's, it's like he's if he can't see not, the evidence, he can pretend it's not happening.
1: I mean, I don't think he's doing, you know, he's not doing it to be cruel, I guess is the bottom line. No matter what, yeah, maybe his motivations are in this particular case are a little bit murky, but it's not because he's finding any joy in what he's doing. And it's not because he feels satisfaction at doing this. You know, he he genuinely thinks that he's either cleaning up a problem that would only get worse or Or something, yeah. Maybe it's helping him forget about it because he can't do anything to save these people. Or I guess the fact that he knows he can't do anything to save them. You know, they've just been kind of damned to this position. He knows that most of them are people that never suffered from any kind of um, mental illness whatsoever. And so to be putting them in this boat where he knows that they'll need care for the rest of their lives. I mean, obviously I'm not justifying this, but like, you know, I think he is is doing some sort of mental calculus there. That is certainly... Great. That's the
0: only thing that I mean, because it's it's a little bit like okay, if it, if the reason isn't purely to hide the evidence of what Glory is doing, yeah. Well, then what's the reason for it? Because it's I not guess to helping save them. them from... to, I mean, it is kind of helping them to kill them, but it's not like it's not stopping Glory. It's no, not no, you know. But he he explicitly summons this demon to kill these people, and like the outcome for him is a little bit uncertain. Like, and it, it's it's clear guess... that he's not being weirdly like compelled to do it by glory. Right. Or right, right. 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 So, it's not at her
1: behest. Yeah. I guess like the, like, other, maybe like the, the
0: minion th- makes it clear that Ben is operating on his own.
1: Right. I guess the other that. explanation, maybe one possible additional explanation to why he's doing this is because he's seen that the hospital is now at capacity and like the hospital can't keep doing this, you know, so it's like it might be in stopping them from from saving lives that they could save if they didn't have to divert all their resources to this other problem. So, Mm -hmm. like, maybe that is kind of part of it. In addition to then knowing that these people will never, there is no cure for them, and he knows that. The way that other doctors might not know, you know, he knows that, like, well, there isn't anything that can be done anymore. Right. Or, uh, I guess, he doesn't know that, but, you know,
0: probably. And it's really interesting. I mean, I think we have other examples down the line where it's clear that he's trying to help, but, like, this is just one where it's kind of hard to defend his actions. but, But also, the way he kind of unintentionally also helps, though, because by summoning this demon and alerting the Scoobies to like this thing that's happening, they, they do make the connection between glory and the demon.
1: Right. Whether right.
0: that's like a leap of logic, I don't know, but I mean, they do kind of figure it out really fast, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that glory is causing, or I think, do they know at this point that glory is causing, they don't know that glory's causing they know people. That. Yeah.
1: No, no, no.
0: So maybe they don't make the leap, but they do make the leap that this demon is connected to the victims, Mm -hmm. but eventually they would figure out that it's being summoned to, well, maybe I'm talking myself out of believing this, okay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that was circular. We're going to stop
1: there. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Suffice it to say, I think Ben is a really interesting character, and he he doesn't stick out in my memory the way that I kind of now am thinking that he should. He gives me a moment that I love at the end of this season that I'm certain we'll talk about for mm-hmm. a long time, but other than that, I'm, you know, it's not like I forget about him, but I think he doesn't stick out in my memory in a way that I think he really is unique in a lot of this kind of stuff. I don't, I you just don't see a lot of characters like that. No. That get to just genu- genuinely be down the middle, you know, maybe erring on the side of bad, but not exactly.
0: Yeah, and someone who's had to make these like tough decisions his entire life—it right, seems like—and right, right. this is where he is. So, um, interestingly, so the the actual like um, demon thing, the Queller, them, so, the Queller demon. Yeah. Oh. So you know they like list all the times that it appeared in history or something.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. So, <laughs> I was just laughing because they were talking about this, the one in Siberia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and that's like the, the what's it called it's like the Tunguska event Like mm-hmm. it's a very famous like meteor blast mm-hmm. in like the history and I was looking out for it because when I listened very recently to this episode this podcast episode on that meteor event mm-hmm. they mentioned that it was mentioned in Buffy and that oh, they funny. got it wrong
1: oh
0: yeah <laughs> I think they got the date wrong or something yeah, but, yeah. but I was like oh wait there it
1: is that's really funny <laughs>
0: Um, So, it's just a sidebar. I had fun with that.
1: (laughs) I guess, speaking of the Queller Demons themselves, I mean, honestly, one of the better demons, I think, in the run of Buffy, they were really freaky. Yes. (laughs) I did not like the way they move. They've got this little cockroach element going on that is really creepy. And then, in addition to, like, their whole concept of them is terrifying in that they are, like, kind of, like, they spit paralysis at you that you maybe choke on or some sort of goo that you choke on. And then you, Oh God, everything about them was just terrifying. And that scene with Joyce in her bed is like, that is, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times and like, there are a couple of Buffy episodes that are just tiny mini horror movies. And this one isn't the whole thing. There's so much story arc going on that. It's not quite that, but the elements of it that were just straight horror movie were like amazing. Like, I love that scene in the house. You know, they've got the lights off for this kind of superficial, not even superficial, but like, you know, Joyce needs the lights off so it's dark and, like, Buffy can't hear things because she's trying to drown out her crying and it's just, like, everything about that was, like, is like, tense and, like, you didn't exactly know what was going to happen. I mean, you know that Buffy's going to win because it's, like, the middle of the season of Buffy, but, like, I don't know. I really liked it. I thought that was, like, that, that, in addition to everything else that's going on, like, I love when they're able to nail both parts of the episode of, like, they get to nail this, like, horror movie of the week part and then they also, like, had some of the most emotionally impactful moments that the whole show is ever going to have, like... I love this episode. How did I forget about this episode? <laughs>
0: well, I think it's great, like, when Joyce is just kind of talking, and yes, then like, it cuts to oh. the ceiling, and you're like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, how that like,
1: always gets me.
0: Yeah. Um, and I also kind of love the fake-out, where you think there's, like, something in the basement, mm-hmm. and it, there is, but it's just Spike. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I like watching Buffy and Spike fight together because I do think, you know, whatever the the, like real ups and downs of their relationship and their whatever we want to call it. They do have kind of I think that's a thing that they do well together, kind of like her and Angel. You know, that's like a thing that they they can tag team a demon together. And that's like fun to watch them do that. So I enjoyed even that part of it. Although that she stab her stabbing it like on herself, and then being kind of like pinned by this gross cockroach demon that is like in a little sleeping bag suit. Ugh, grief is so creepy. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and but also like
0: everything. I agree with everything you're saying about it. Like it's great horror. It's a great demon, but it's also then if when you like think about it. It's a demon that fell in a meteor from space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bananas. Like it is bananas. It, This is probably uh, one of the more interesting demon choices. Like and it's the first time we see that demons don't just come from like mystical realms right, or something right that, or ultimate like, like, dimensions in fact, I maybe. I think that's an interesting thing to note because you know, Buffy's out of commission the team is trying to help her out, but Buffy, I, or Riley, I think, actually makes a smart call to I notify the government yeah, that this totally, happened, because this totally. is way beyond the usual. Yes. Like, <laughs> you guys are not equipped to handle this. Yes, and so I do think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it's a natural kind of segue into like where Riley's going to go, but like... Mm-hmm. No, I was just I to- like, no, I-, I totally am here. Like, that this should be happening. Like, a little, no, like, the same moment thing. of, like, investigation. And- yeah,
1: yeah. No, I wrote the same exact thing. I was like, well, honestly, he made the right call there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we should just talk about Riley, then, in this episode. Yeah. I mean, there's the things that we don't want to talk about, or at least that I don't want to talk about. I, it, I in addition to kind of making the right call um, overall in um, bringing the government in to deal with this, he's also, you know, we get to see, I think this... We get to see him back in his element, right? You know, he gets to start making the calls because he's the expert in Sunnydale. (laughs) You know, the the army guys kind of defer to him because he did used to have this rank, but also because he clearly demonstrates that he does know best, you know, in this situation. I guess I thought that was really interesting to kind of get to see him. They're all deferring to him and he gets to be the number one guy again. And that he's
0: also proving that he's really good at it. Like, yeah, he's, he is. He's not just, like, taking the lead, but he's, like, correct. Like, he's that, like, yeah. no, you don't want to do this because this is happening, and, like, you probably want to do this because this is happening. And, like, he's effective. Like, he's proving right. He's proving there's a reason he, that he's so upset that he can't do this. Right. right, and
1: I guess that's what I mean, too. They don't just defer to him. They defer to him when he starts proving that he is the one they should be listening to, you know? It's not, they don't just start listening to him, but Mm-mm. it's like, oh, you did say these things, and they've all checked out, so...
0: Yeah, it's 100% true. Like and, and earned that he, mm-hmm. you know, deserves that that deference. And I think that's really well done. Like it's not overt, like they're not calling a lot of attention yeah, to it. It just yeah. kind of happens, but I yeah. think it's it's a really interesting about face, right? From where Riley has been the past few episodes, a episodes. where he's kind you of know, been pathetic. Yeah, or even when he's patrolling with Buffy's friends and, like, he yeah. can barely keep them in line and, like, from, like, yeah. crunching on loud snacks or whatever. Right, and, like, right, right. They're not, and they're not deferring to his authority. They're not following his lead. And then we see him, like, naturally step into this role mm-hmm. with the soldiers and it's, like... I mean, I truly think it's like it kind of puts you on Riley's side a little bit.
1: Well, and what's so funny about everything that we're saying now is that like this alone would have been a sufficient storyline I think, to write him out of the show is like watching him, you know, seeing how insecure he's been and how not just insecure, like I mean, uh, they do paint a lot of it as though he's a little bit of like a sad man, baby. But also, again, like he really that was a really rough year for Riley, you know, like kind of losing his idealism in everything that he had worked for, you know, losing his status. All of that is that's a lot for one person to deal with. So like, I get it. He has good reason to need something to fill that hole in his life. And if it's not going to be the Scoobies, it could. i It totally makes sense that he would go back to the military and that him and Buffy are just naturally growing apart and they're not and they're supernaturally growing apart, you know, because for all the reasons that we've seen, he just doesn't need to be go getting sucked by a vampire. <laughs> they don't need that part of the story to make him. Make it make sense for him to leave. They only need that part of the story to make us the viewers not like him anymore,
0: yeah, and I think I think we've said this before, like that has the the effect of making that part of the story seem like it's just out of place and weird, like what are they trying to say with Riley going to get his blood sucked by yeah, vampires what? because it's like it makes him look like he's like pouting and acting out because you know Buffy won't pay attention to him or something it makes him but look like, like a
1: sad cheater, you know yeah. he's cheating on his girlfriend in a way.
0: I mean, maybe that's what they're going for is, like, they're trying to make it, like, some sort of, like, metaphorical cheating situation. But, like you're saying, there's absolutely no need for it because there's a great natural, like, storyline happening in the background that they're, like,
1: doing almost (laughs) by
0: accident in, in, like, pursuit of making him seem like a bad guy. Yeah. And it's just annoying to, like, watch a truly great scene with Riley and then have to, like, go see him in, like, some warehouse, like, with yeah, a van- like it, it just makes me make angry.
1: <laughs> but also because I think I tried to hit on this before and I think less um, effectively, but, like, I I know that anybody is capable of cheating on people, but, like, that's not Riley's character. We're watching a TV show and people do fit into into tropes, and that's not part of his. Like, I don't believe that that would be his outlet. I believe that his outlet is recklessly attacking vampires on his own because he needs to feel that he's in charge of something like that is a is a character flaw that I understand as part of Riley's overall character whereas like this weird inclination to be with other women who are then demons to like oddly spite Buffy is like that's just not his thing I just don't see that being the way he acts out
0: no I think you're right and I think we've seen him like we've said before I think we've said, you know, like, Riley seems to have historically in this relationship been the mature one, the one yeah, to, like, it's say, true. hey, let's talk about it, let's take yeah. a step back, and like, to have him just completely abandon that part of his character and do something that is so out of place, mm-hmm. it, it it just seems like it's designed to get us to hate him, and it it's is. annoying, because yeah. like, now I'm like, I don't, like, I, I also, not only do I hate Riley because of this, yeah. I also hate the writers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <this>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think they really ruined what could have been a great, perfect character who like sometimes people just go on, move through their your lives and they don't stay around. And it's not because they have some irredeemable trait. It's because they're humans and we all just have to grow, you know, sometimes together and sometimes apart. Like it could have been a much more like, uh, I don't know, a more important message, I think, than like people get, you know, ruin things and make bad choices like they do that. But also you just aren't meant to be with everybody. Right. Oh, okay. What else is going on in this episode? I mean, what? oh, sorry. Should we talk about Dawn? Yeah. I mean, this was a more sympathetic episode than Dawn's gotten in a while, right? I don't know. I think Maybe so. not in this exact. Yeah. But like, she's just obviously going through something. People keep saying weird things to her, and it's really getting to her. I mean, that, and that's really relatable too. You know, she is, as so much as they sometimes write her, like she's six, and this, I think, they're accurately writing her more like a young teenager who it's like, she's probably already really insecure about everything in life. And then to have people constantly coming up to you and saying oddly the same thing, you know, it's not like they're always just saying something random. They're always saying the same thing to her, which is that you don't exist and you're not real. Like that's going to get under your skin and you're trying to deal with your mom being in the hospital and not people aren't really taking the time. Uh, you know, I think she is also kind of correctly in this weird time of her life where like she's a, uh, enough of a child that they don't feel like they should tell her everything, but also she is getting to the age where they should be telling her more. So like, she's oddly, not even oddly, she's getting left out of things that like, probably she could handle a little more of an explanation. And instead they kind of just send her away to the vending machine. Anytime they need to make an important decision, you know, so she's just like really having a tough time right now.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like Buffy doesn't even tell her to expect the weird symptoms mm-hmm. and then Dawn gets really freaked out because yeah. her mom is saying strange things to her and and, who and then Buffy's like, Oh yeah, didn't I tell you like yeah. this is gonna happen? And it's like Dawn's really out of the loop and whether it's intentional or accidental, I don't mm-hmm. know. But I mean, you really feel for her because, you know, she's struggling with this question of what's wrong with me, and then also young enough to really not understand sometimes like yeah, the things that her mom is saying like to 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 wholly blame it on the, the the disease right like right right because your mother's telling you horrible things like is even if you know for sure that she doesn't know she's doing it and it's yeah. because this tumor is like pressing on her but but you're also doubting like what all these other people are telling you it, it of
1: course, Don's going to react like her mother yeah. hates her or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, you feel
0: really bad for her. I mean, I can't
1: imagine hearing those things. I think even now, as even me as a 32-year-old, if I had been in that situation, he- hearing your parents say something outlandish at all, even if it wasn't directed at you, would be really upsetting. You know, like, uh, I just, that, all of it is, yeah. Ugh, poor Don. And then, of course, me, the viewers, know, you know, the, like, grand irony is that we know that she is not even something that she's going to be able to get past because it's true. <laughs> you know, your worst fear is that you don't somehow exist in the world and that you're not going to really, I don't know, like I, that you don't exist is a terrifying thought.
0: Yeah. And <sighs> in this episode, you know, the irony of that too, is that her mother does come to that realization yeah, that yeah. she, she isn't hers. And I, and I love the way she says it. I like, do too. Oh, Joyce but just she's killed not everything. mine. But she belongs to us. Yeah, and it's the perfect way to say it because, it is. like, she was sent to the Buffy to be kept safe by them, so she does essentially belong to Buffy and her mom.
1: Yeah, and,
0: but she's not theirs.
1: But like, also the thing that really got—I mean, everything about that—I was like tearing up. I'm almost going to tear up just talking about it now because, like, I—I I guess there was also something so. not satisfying, uh, what's the right word? It's not vindicating either, but like, I think Buffy also really needed to, you know, now Buffy's been in this position where she knows that Dawn's not real and that not only does she kind of have these like normal jealousy issues that you have with your sister, but knowing that she's not even really her sister and that now her mom is sick and like worried that she's not going to get these things that she needs and wants from her mom. And like having to share that attention with someone else, like all of that is just like, again, like those are kind of some real world issues, but then having to deal with the fact that like, this has been a burden that's actually been thrust on her has been really hard for her. And I think, hearing that you know having that conversation with her mom where her mom basically tells her like oh you have to love her the way that I love you is like that's got to feel good for Buffy a little bit and it was a night like it was cathartic that's the word I mean like it was like you got to finally hear her mom say these things that Buffy really needed to hear
0: and you can see that I think Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah. does this scene amazingly well like she's not even saying anything yeah. and you can see all of this but like I think you're right I think Buffy did need to hear that like but like she's still to her that, mom. like, yeah. she's the real daughter, you know,, yeah. and, and I think as as maybe maybe that seems
1: terrible with like right, positions right. like, Dawn I don't, is in, but like I don't want to say it in like, the wrong way, but like there is yeah. something about needing to hear it,
0: yeah, Not even that she's the real
1: daughter, just that her mom loves her,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that this conversation becomes pivotal for the yeah. rest of the season because is. Yeah. Joyce is telling Buffy that you have to love her like I love you yeah and whereas down the line it would be so easy for Buffy to tell herself Dawn isn't real Dawn was sent to me she yes. served this purpose I can let these things happen and play yeah. out like yeah. I can you know and she makes that decision of I have to love her like my mom loved me yeah. and like
1: yeah
0: like and, 100% every decision Buffy makes at the end of the season comes from this conversation with her mother. It and totally does. I mean, I'm like going to tear up. Yeah, I know.
1: Right it's so <laughs> sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, that's again why, like, they are, as much as I get why people don't like Dawn, and that it's, if, it is a weird thing for a show to do to, like, write in another sister. But ultimately, I think it really pays off. I think it makes, it's really meaningful. I think the arc that Buffy and Dawn take in this season, and I really, I really enjoyed watching these scenes between Buffy and her mom.
0: Right, because Buffy maybe she is convincing herself to just go with it and take care of Dawn because it's her slayer duty. Right. But, but I really think like this becomes, is the moment where she decides to like accept like yeah, to like
1: that she is treat her sister. Dawn like her yeah. sister
0: and to yeah. treat her as if she's real and not yeah. just think of her as this thing that was like dropped in her totally. lap. Yeah. Uh, you know and what else
1: too is that it, it. I guess it would also it could be a little bit more problematic hearing them talk about Don this way. Except that from this moment on, Joyce is never going to treat her like she's not her daughter. No. I don't think they ever even really revisit this. You know, like I don't know. I mean, maybe there's things that I'm forgetting. But I just feel like from this moment on, it's like Joyce knows that, and then she moves on with her life. Like Don is her daughter from now on. Uh,
0: yeah, and I think the way they do this is really clever that. You know, because you kind of, on some level, you want Joyce to know the truth about yeah, this. Like, yeah, it would be painful, not, yeah. Right, it's not really fair, but, like, imagine if Buffy were to go to her mother and say, <laughs> hey, yeah. mom, you know that daughter that you think that you've raised for, like, yeah. 15 years? She's not a real thing. And, like, yeah. that would, one, be devastating for Joyce to hear, but also, what what would you, why would she ever believe Buffy? Like, right. it would sound like Buffy is doing some insane, petty, what. jealous, yeah. like, cruel thing to her mother. And and dawn, but yeah. for Joyce to find out, to like just intuitively understand yeah. from yeah for for herself like some reality of that situation is the only way that she could do it, and like Buffy doesn't get blamed somehow for
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know breaking this news to her yeah um I think it's great and I I think it gives them this opportunity to have this conversation which is obviously wonderful
1: and yeah and as much as you're I mean Sarah Michelle credit Sarah Michelle credit Sarah Michelle (laughs) Gellar deserves credit but also Joyce like killed every scene she was in in this episode like she did the horror thing well she did the mom thing well yeah she's funny she's heartfelt like everything she ran the gamut of emotions and like genres in this episode and she like killed it in every single one I'm so sad. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm preemptively sad about everything that's gonna happen, and I'm sad that they had that conversation. And I'm sad for Dawn, who didn't ask for any of this. Oh, season I think is not. This, <laughs> it's not I, kind I think to it's, us. it's
0: interesting. Like I think you know, we we'll talk we'll definitely talk about it later more. Uh-huh. But a big theme of this season is obviously like learning. To sacrifice the things that you need to do. I mean, like, even coming up, like Buffy, well, even in this episode, like I think Buffy not taking an exam because Right, right. She she has to be there. She's mm -hmm. sacrificing her academic standing for her parent, for her mom, and Mm -hmm. like all this, and like she's learning that sometimes you have to make these like really sucky decisions Mm -hmm. about how your life can function. Mm -hmm. And I think she's learning that, but I think also, you know. Oh, shoot, I, oh my God, Jenny, I lost my train of thought.
1: Yeah, I really want to know what you were going to say. I, I was just going to say, like, this
0: season seems to be about, like, sacrifice, but, and, like, I think that one we get a lot, but then also, you know, it's, no, it wasn't about sacrifice. It was about is Buffy it just about growing, another lesson. Is it just about like, growing up? Yeah, but maybe it'll come to me. Okay, yeah.
1: it will. I'm sorry. That's the worst feeling. <laughs> I literally, like, mid-sentence, uh, I just lost it. I do, I've done that. I've certainly done that.
0: But speaking of, where are Joyce's friends? Yeah, It's a good question. Like, when she's going to surgery, everybody waving her off is, like, Buffy's friends.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's true. But I did did enjoy Willow's little... um, I guess I enjoyed everything about Willow and Tara in this episode. They got to have that really cute moment and was, like... Granted, it was a setup for a meteor to hit Earth, but, like, it was really sweet to get to see them just being you know just you know just enjoying each other's company because I feel like we haven't we've seen kind of the big sweeping gestures of their romance but not the kind of little small moments and like why they have fun together and how they're just yeah just getting to spend this moment of quiet time together it it, uh, it was interrupted by supernatural aliens but still it was really nice to see and I really like seeing Willow kind of step in to like to you know do her best to cheer people up obviously knowing that it's only going to help so much but I thought that was really sweet yeah well, I guess as much as this, uh, this season is about sacrifice, for me, I think the thing that is really hitting home is just how much it's also about death. <laughs> you know, yeah. everything is about death, but like this one really is it, and and grief and how you move on from those things or how you deal with the threat of it. You know, all of that stuff is really, really hard. And I guess the older I get, the more that just becomes a part of your life that you just have to learn to deal with. Like if you're lucky enough to live a long life, that's a thing that is never going to it's always going to be a part of it which is upsetting and terrible, but also universal. <laughs>
0: and I think it's a lesson that Buffy weirdly does have to learn because yeah, despite, she mm-hmm. deals with death every day, but mm-hmm. it's not personal like this, you know, like it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, she's con- you know, not convinced herself she is, but she's fighting the bad guys. Right. So right. like she's killing things every day. People are dying, but they're victims of this thing that she's helping to save. And mm-hmm. the, like, to have it just happen like this, it's, like, I think she really learns more about death and moving on, and I think in this season, because of, like, these events that are happening.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: um, And I think also that continues into the next season. I mean, in some ways, she sort of, like, mourns herself, you know? Yeah. And I think it kind of carries over of, like, life only keeps getting harder. Right. And that's (laughs) part of growing up, is, like, you know, it doesn't, I mean, maybe eventually you have money or you're comfortable or whatever, but, like, decisions only get harder the, yeah. the older you get. And yeah. there aren't always easy decisions to make. And, like, it really is about, like, growing up and realizing that. And, mm-hmm. and we could even argue that Buffy is still learning these things too young. Like She is, you know, she's, yeah. I mean, she's only 20 years yeah, old. Like, yeah. And she's being confronted with these big things. and right. And having to teach them to someone else, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she has to... Who else is going to help Dawn learn these things? Yeah. I mean, if Buffy's learning them too young, Don is definitely learning them too young. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Well, as much as I hate the things that they did to Riley, I guess they're pretty much nailing every other aspect of this season, so maybe I'll forgive the writers.
0: I mean, I think also as much as, you know, we love to rag on the initiative, I'm going to do it a little more because... Mm-hmm. Glory's not even in this episode, and her presence is felt, and she's affecting events, and, you know, she's a very very effective villain, I think, because she's so, she's such a threat that, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't even have to overtly do anything in this episode, and the events are still carrying forward from before, Mm -hmm. or ongoing,
1: like, you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like
0: with the initiative, it was kind of like... It was, like,
1: hard to remember they were there. Right. And they were kind of ineffectual. Yeah, in many or
0: ways. It always felt a little bit like ham fisted and yeah, all that. Yeah. And I just think, like, yeah, this is a good part of why. I mean, I think I remember talking in a previous episode about, in some ways, I don't like Glory as a villain. And I think I'll talk about it more right. when we find out more about
1: right she is. Right. I know and what I know she what, is. Yeah. I know but what I
0: do to. think, with all of that, I still love her as a character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also in this episode, too, like, learning the flip side of Glory and, like, more about Ben and all of that, too, like. But you're right,
1: as much as, yeah, I understand kind of your qualms with her as, like, a villain and, like, the, yeah, things that we'll talk about more later, but also just looking into the future, she's also going to really bring us a lot of crushing moments in in a way that makes her, again, like, a really excellent villain, you know? Yeah. She's not just... I, I mean, in, in, I, mean as I don't want to compare her to the mayor because their mannerisms are very different. But they do kind of follow the same pattern of like being really entertaining and really fun to watch. But then when when they're being villainous, they're not like pulling any punches. You know, like they're really really awful.
0: <laughs> but yeah. it makes them
1: it makes them even better. You know, to watch it's like so much more fun that you get to have your fun when they're just kind of goofing around. But then they also are really impactful to the story.
0: Yeah, and I think that's how buffy learns more from them right like
1: right, right. i think right.
0: you know up until now like all of her victories have been pretty much with the exception of angel in mm-hmm. season 2 they've been complete and total victories yeah. and she's starting i think True. now to encounter what a hollow victory is going right. to be like right or, right right you know like every victory they have against glory there's always some massive cost and eventually there is right. like you know the ultimate cost and it's right. like learning that winning doesn't always feel like winning you know I think is an important thing and I think it's like you know we're seeing this here like you know Buffy and like her family are like fighting this disease like you know they're doing everything they can the doctors Mm -hmm. are like really helping Joyce but like we see the price of this right like staying in the hospital the the boredom the despair the um you know even the symptoms of her illness like all of this stuff like you're like the doctor's like prognosis looks good like you know he's like this is good news and like yet it doesn't really seem like it right like they're yeah it's sort of the best case scenario but it's still really
1: bad and hard
0: and it's like okay so like fighting this thing or winning this thing is like can still feel really crappy
1: yeah yeah (laughs) I'm getting so emotional talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) I will now, and I'm also even, I'm even more interested. I had, I had some kind of passing thoughts as I was watching Angel, but now that we're talking about it, I'm even more interested to kind of talk about how Angel is sort of, this episode sort of directly contradicts the episode of Buffy (laughs) in ways that I'm not sure I'm okay with. Well, I mean, of course I'm not okay with anything about Darla really, but like, I'm very interested to try and pick it apart. Um, are you okay moving on to Angel?
0: Well, now I really want to know how it contradicts it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, okay. So moving on to Angel, we're watching this episode called The Trial. We've gone back to the Darla. You know, we had a little respite from Darla last week, but this week we're back in it. And right from the get-go, Wesley and Cordelia are just kind of talking about how, like, Angel's still moping. They still want to try and find a way to distract him or get him out of this, like, kind of weird lull that he's in. Um, And he shows up all of a sudden being kind of chipper and, like, gregarious. And they're like, oh, maybe he's doing better. Then he tells them that he's left this Darla... You know, interests behind, but of course he's lying to them because Gunn comes in um, and he's been working with Gunn the whole time behind their backs to try and track down Darla. So, you know, since their kind of last um, confrontation, she ran away from both Angel but also from Wolfram and Hart. So she's no longer staying with Lindsay or she's no longer staying in their offices or whatever. So nobody's Wolfram and Hart and Angel have both been kind of on the hunt for her. So they finally, you know, Gun tracks down. She's been staying in some skeezy hotel and they track her down. But I think Wolfram and Hart get there first. Um, So after she's back in the offices of Wolfram and Hart with Lindsay and Lindsay's boss, whose name I forget, um, they give her some bad news, which turns out to be that she's still dying from syphilis or some sort of syphilitic condition, which is how she was originally going to die way back when, when the master turned her into a vampire. So she kind of goes on a spree. You know, she already wanted Angel to turn her back into a vampire because for all kinds of reasons. And now she wants it to save her life again, because without that, there's pretty much I mean, granted, I think there are some treatments, but it's they I feel like they kind of make it sound as though she's basically gone on too long without them. So there's nothing that can save her now. Um, So she's like trying to get like like low lowest of the low vampires just like kind of begging anybody to to give her this fate that she wants um and it's not working out uh so eventually she does con- or angel does find her and confront her and he takes her to um the karaoke bar where lauren is gonna you know read her aura and give them some sort of some sort of answer hopefully and what he does tell them is basically he gives them some kind of cryptic um instructions about you need to show up at this place and you need to just trust me or else it's not going to work um so it turns out that he sends them to i don't know some sort of portal that takes them to a demon or otherworldly dimension where if angel completes a trial he's going to be able to ask for darla's life um so angel of course goes through it he has to like complete a couple, a series of tests, all very grueling. He has to like fight some sort of demon. He has to kind of face all the things that are harmful to vampires. Like there's maybe sunlight and uh, holy water. I kind of forget. Um, And then the last thing that they ask him to do is uh, they put a wall of stakes in front of him and they say, okay, great. Actually what you need to do is sacrifice yourself and then we'll let Darla live. So he agrees to go forward with it. But of course that was actually just the last test. So he doesn't actually die. However, because Um, It's kind of some some fine print that uh, they weren't made aware of, which is that since Darla has already been brought back to life from by Wolfram and Hart, this like cosmic, you know, karmic life debt that Angel was going to try and use isn't going to work because she's already had a second chance. Um, So knowing that they go back to Darla's uh, crappy hotel and she basically seems to have finally come to terms with more uh, some of the things that Angel's been saying. And she basically decides that, like, you know, the thing that I do need to do is just let this play out the way that it was supposed to in the first place. So she kind of accepts her death. Um, but of course, Wolfram and Hart steps in at the last moment uh, with Drusilla in tow. And so Drusilla resires Darla at the very end of this episode. I also skipped over one tiny thing, which <laughs> tiny thing. Uh there was another flashback of Darla and Angel's time together where we see that uh I, I guess this must have been the last time that they split up before Angel gets his soul back. But um they were on the run and some guy named Holtz. Holt or Holtz. Holtz. Holtz has been chasing them, uh, tracking them, hunting his them. Name. Well, I remembered <laughs> most of it. I just couldn't remember there's a Z at the end. Um So he's been chasing them around. You know, they've been getting caught kind of city to city or whatever. And at the last minute, they think that they have uh, found a hiding place, but he's found them. And Darla abandoned, not even abandons Angel, takes his takes his horse and maybe knocks him out or something and they and runs away. And that's the last time that they see each other, I think, until she finds him again when he has his soul. So just adding a little bit more to their backstory and think ways in which she didn't sacrifice herself for Angel in the ways that he's going to in this episode.
0: So I I definitely really want to talk about that, but I also want to mention that this is the first time we hear the name Holtz and it is not the last time we hear the the name Holtz. Holtz is a very important character on this show and this is the first time and I didn't realize it was so early in the run. Yeah, me (laughs) neither. Like they said, Holtz, and I was like, wait, what?
1: (laughs) Well, I guess I don't remember when he actually shows up, so all of this is like, I don't know, maybe he shows up in the next episode to me as far as I'm concerned. I don't really know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I do want to talk about what you were saying where we, I think this flashback is important to show all the ways that Darla is sort of undeserving of what (laughs) angel is putting himself through. You know, that she, he feels like she's his moral responsibility to save, but, like, she never, I mean, in fact, did the opposite of trying to save him. Like, she intentionally bended, threw yeah, him to the wolves. sacrificed him on and, purpose. Yeah. Right, and and we see all this, but we, we see Angel go through this ordeal in this episode mm-hmm. to try to save her, and it's so strange that he cares so much about her. It is. Like, especially given, like, There are various claims, right? Like Darla swears that, you know, they had this epic love that she loved Angel. Mm -hmm. Angel swears that he didn't love her. He wasn't capable of love. And yet their behavior almost proves the opposite because Darla, who (laughs) loved him so much, was perfectly fine abandoning him Mm -hmm. to like vampire hunters. And Angel, who swore that he could never have loved her, is like literally going so far overboard to save her, like claiming that he doesn't love her. But like cares so much yeah. about her dying that he's like doing all of this it's like they both don't really seem to have a read on their emotions emotions yeah and it's, like, true. it's just a little bit strange and like it maybe is. it's true that angel didn't love her and like he's just feeling like he's supposed to save her but like I mean I guess honestly I- this woman this is a woman who was evil didn't ha- like she's not offering anything to the world like she has a soul so she's innocent okay but mm-hmm. Just let her die. Like, yeah, why, I, I like guess, what is the big deal, you know?
1: Well, so I guess oh, oh, yeah, I do have a lot to say about this. I, I, I will start out by saying it's irritating. I don't I Angel makes the wrong choice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really, really frustrating because this is kind of him maybe at his most self self flagellating where it's like he's so determined to punish himself for everything that he's done and to make up for anything that he can that like I think that he's kind of warped Darla into something that she's not. You know, he sees this somehow as his ultimate act of redemption, maybe for himself. That's kind of the impression that I'm getting. Like, this is Angel at his most emo, deciding that this is the way he can really... If he makes this sacrifice of himself, killing himself to let her live, he'll have finally redeemed himself. But it's infuriating because... As, you, as we've already mentioned, Dar- Darla doesn't deserve any of this. He didn't seem to genuinely love her in any of the flashbacks that we've seen. He was certainly amused by her, and they had a relationship, But and I, I just don't, I don't buy that he loved her. But then to top it all off, for me, he does have friends that really love him right now, and it was really frustrating to watch him say, yes, I can do this thing. I mean, I guess this is kind of, you know, uh, making the decision to kill yourself is always... Uh, I mean, I don't really want to talk about that, but it's like it's just so frustrating to watch him act as though there's nothing else for him to do except make this big sacrifice, which is so ironic given everything that we see. It's like so much not necessarily in contradiction to Buffy, but just really at odds with everything that we're going to see kind of in the rest of Buffy. But also, I don't know. I guess it was just so frustrating that he seemed to have even no acknowledgement that that there were other reasons for him to keep living and that those were in his other friends that genuinely do love him.
0: Right, and all of this for Darla. Like, if Buffy's learning what yeah. it means to like sacrifice, Angel maybe needs to learn when to not do yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> the fact that like... he's literally willing to trade his life for hers is just, I. It's so far beyond appropriate in this situation. It like, is. It's just as not... soon as he was like, "Yes, I can exchange my life," and I was like, "Why? But why? You're like, wrong. What? Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> what is the point of this? And like, it's not heroic." you know like it really felt to me like he made the wrong choice and they kind of play it i'm not sure what i guess the show it does think that it's a noble sacrifice but it really didn't feel like that to me i'm so mad at him
0: (laughs) and then to have it all be in vain because she's already been brought back once and like they can't save her like yeah which i think is just supposed to be like this ironic twist but it's also like yeah angel this is so stupid you did all of that for the wrong reasons. Yes. Yeah. We shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. And it was all for nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And his reaction is to like tear this
1: place apart. Yeah. Is like, and yet I'm sorry, you don't love this woman? Like what I but I, that's where I don't think he loves her though. And I that's why I think this is particularly grating, is because it is him he's he's so up his own nobility right now that it is I think he's convinced himself, you know, that he that she means more to him than she does, or that this is somehow a worthy sacrifice because that's the only explanation that I can come up with that makes sense to me is it's like Angel is so bent on on proving himself a worthy person you know he's fought all these ways he doesn't know why he's been brought back he thinks that if he does things ever just right he'll finally have made up for everything that he's done and somehow this fits into that vision that he has of himself but it just really doesn't
0: (laughs) and you know what I think also makes it terrible for me is that all of this is in direct opposition to what Darla actually wants.
1: It's so true. Angel yeah. is, like,
0: going to these extremes. Like, yeah. even Wolfram and Hart are, like, going to extremes. Yeah. To like, like. But nobody is stopping to listen to what Darla is saying that she wants. Like, she's saying, I want to be a vampire. Like, if yeah. Angel truly wanted to just help it's her true. give her what she like she thinks she needs which is by the way the she's the only qualified person who can decide like right. Angel thinks point. he needs to save her soul but like it's not his decision well, and you, like to you tell know. her that she can't Become a vampire because it's wrong and like taking all decision, and then to go through all of this to save her when she's telling him the whole time she doesn't want him to save her. Yeah, like it's, it's like tr- all these men like bending so over backwards to like help her and, in this yeah. way that she so clearly is saying she doesn't want. But, and I think by the end of the episode, we're supposed to think like he's convinced her, like you know, to just you know, right, die and die, die nobly and not take the easy way out, yeah. but like. That's only so that we can see her be turned kind of against her will, like, the whole Drusilla reveal, which I do want to talk about that. But But it's just also infuriating that it's, like, they're just literally taking this woman and, like, Not letting her have a say in her own life.
1: Well, and you're so right, though, in that that's the other reason why Angel comes across so irritating in this episode, because he ends up accidentally aligning himself with Lindsay, who last we saw him was equally being pathetic about Darla. And so it's like watching them kind of with the same motivation they have some sort of infatuation with her that they don't quite have their heads around. And then they don't listen to anything that she says. So yeah, you're totally right. And like, I don't think that he should have turned her into a vampire and I get why he didn't want to do that. But you're right. That is like at a certain point, you people have to help themselves, Angel, and you can't just be showboating your way into it. Like you can't showboat your way into making the righteous choice. You know, I guess in the same way that we're going to that Buffy sometimes gets really self-righteous. So does Angel. And, you know, that he thinks that he knows better for her. You're right. It's infuriating. Even if I morally agree with him that like, yeah, probably one less vampire is a better choice in this situation. But like his other option is to accept that she doesn't want his help. Yeah, but he doesn't know best. Oh, but right, he but so of course mad that. <laughs> like, it's
0: just it's so infuriating. Like But
1: I guess to Darla's credit though, I did buy her turnaround at the end. And not really because of that had anything to do with Angel, but I did appreciate seeing her kind of accept her fate and saying that, like, you know what, the thing that I need to do is do what was supposed to happen to me in the first place. I think it has more to do with the fact that the um whatever this trial demon is that is the one that tells her you literally already got a second chance and I think that is the thing that kind of hits home for her more than anything that Angel says or does. Granted, he's the one that got him got them into that position but like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like his justification of anything changed her mind but I do appreciate that she, I, I think she really did make that turn and I liked seeing it. It was the most I've ever liked or cared about, Darla. <laughs> yeah,
0: where she comes to this understanding that maybe like her second chance is to just die yeah, naturally the yeah. way she should have. yeah. And, yeah, it, and, and she even gets that taken away from yeah, her, too. Know, like, when God. she comes to that decision, then Wolfram and Hart steps in and tells her, nope, you're wrong, like, yeah. we're gonna... Or, I guess not Wolfram and Hart, but Lindsay... Yeah, no, it was Wolfram and also Hart, the guy was to, there, too. ...to give her exactly the opposite mm-hmm. of what she wants.
1: No, they were like, all there together. I think it was uh, more, yeah. I think it was more than just Lindsay. Maybe I'm wrong. Or he hired these people, I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I don't
0: think they knew he was there, but...
1: I guess I thought that they did, but I was maybe...
0: It is really annoying in the direction that that story goes, but Drusilla walking through the door is... Oh, it was great. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs)
1: Well, and especially in contrast to the scene where we see Darla, like, begging some sad vampire, like, sad sack vampire to to bite her, and he, like, doesn't understand or appreciate any of the vampire mythos. I was like, I I felt her frustration in that moment. I was like, you you little jerk, like, can you just respect the, the, like, siring and these traditions of, like, making yourself a mate? Like, it was kind of funny that he, like, didn't get in on it, but it was also, like, I was on her side of like man buck up and learn some history yeah like other vampires don't
0: buy into like her lofty vampire ideas but it was nice
1: then to see that it does come from Drusilla like oddly that is really satisfying to me to see like you're right she deserved better than that sad vampire in a bar
0: yeah although I love like she tells Angel like well you were made in an alley it's true (laughs) (laughs) it's Like, he's trying to tell her, like, you don't want it like this. And she's like, well, that's how yours was. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess. Yeah, I- it's. Sorry. It, I think it's a frustrating, you know, outcome. But I do think that as, as much as maybe I don't like what's happening with the way the characters are mm-hmm. behaving or, you know, the um, implications of, like, the decision making. Mm-hmm. Like, at least something's happening. It's right? true.
1: I guess what I think is uh, my what I meant earlier when I said that this episode is kind of in contradiction to Buffy. I maybe not this exact Buffy episode, but it is weird that there does seem to be a supernatural way to save someone's life and that no one is bothered to tell Buffy this because I Buffy would have done this trial in a heartbeat. I guess I thought that was a little bit weird. I, I think that there is maybe some sort of, you know, Darla has been brought back cosmically and she was a vampire. So, like, it's maybe there's a, there is something more supernatural to her and her afflictions than there is to Joyce's but it was still a little bit weird to just be like you can't just write in a way that there you can save someone's life but I think
0: maybe also that kind of works because the implication is never that Angel is making the right decision here true. like true, true. would true. easily I think understand that the risk of what that's true. Maybe Bix she is wouldn't asking, have yeah. is, is too high. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, no one is telling Angel, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. You should definitely yeah, go yeah. pursue this route. And so I think, like, even if Buffy had found out about it, like, you're right. She probably would do it in a heartbeat. But I think everybody around her would, would talk about right, it. You're right. You're yeah.
1: right. You're right. As they already kind of did. And I think that, that in... fits
0: really neatly because, yeah. like, again, she and Angel are dealing with sort of similar situations mm-hmm. and coming to vastly different conclusions. Mm-hmm.
1: But I guess, again, I mean, partially because this is the middle, not even we're not even at the midpoint point of this season. And watching Angel make this sacrifice is nowhere near as potent as it's going to be when Buffy is put in a similar position. Right. But it also just because, again, they've really not also given because- this storyline the time that it needs to make sense to me, the viewer, that like, right. I don't care that Angel is sacrificing himself for Darla. In fact, we spent 20 minutes talking about how it is really infuriating that he does so or is or believes he should.
0: But I think that's part of it. I mm-hmm. think that's why Buffy's is so effective right. is because we care, like, yeah. and, and we're 100 percent on board with the reason and like the person she's sacrificing mm-hmm. herself for. Whereas Angel, we're just like, oh my god, is this like really? You know, like,
1: yeah, is and she I mean, really worth this? And like, once again, watching Wesley and Cordelia really get sidelined sidelined in this episode, you know, I'm. Kind of reminded of like a couple episodes back when um, there was like a big gun episode and at the end, you know, the one where Cordelia is kind of following him around place to place. And she tells him at the end that like, you're a threat to yourself. Like, I don't know that she's made that connection with angel, but angel is exactly the same. And if anything, he needs her help more, you know, gun seems pretty self-assured. <laughs> he is reckless. And he, I guess we don't see him enough to, to really get into his psychosis, but like, or his psyche rather, but like, it, I mean, I don't know. I guess again, it's like, it's, as infuriating, as, as aggravating as it is to watch the show sideline those characters, it's also because Angel, the character, is doing it, and they're the ones that are there that can help him, you know? It's like, it's like a meta. <laughs> I don't think they're doing this on purpose, but it's really making me mad that, that, that they're not letting these other characters back into the story when they could so clearly offer him something that he refuses yeah. to accept that he needs. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, they're sidelined because Angel's sidelining them, yeah. and it's equally frustrating both on the show <laughs> yeah, and in, and
1: in the story. our viewing experience, <laughs> yeah. but,
0: but, you know, I will say I do like that they kind of set up with that scene with Gunn where they're in the motel, mm-hmm. um, you know, that Angel can just walk in, and that really sets up the Drusilla scene very well, oh, that that's a good point. she can just walk right in, mm-hmm. because they've explained earlier in the episode why that's possible. Yeah. Um, and as much as I hate when they try to really explain the rules because they're constantly changing them, <laughs> yeah. like I did appreciate that mm-hmm. that worked really well to make the ending make sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good um, point.
0: You know, one thing I wanted to point out though about what I think I'm having an issue with, generally with Angel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is we're seeing more and more. Like I think we saw it a little bit last season, right, with the the powers that be. Yeah, but we're seeing them repeatedly go Lean to on. this well of, mm-hmm. like, go to this mystical portal yeah, land and, like, yeah. fight in a castle looking place and, like, do yeah. y- And I think it's, like...
1: It never really works. And,
0: no, I think the show is, in fact, losing something when we go to these places because I think the the reason Buffy works so well and when Angel's really firing is, yeah. like, when you have this juxtaposition of, like, all of this stuff happening in real life, right, like, right. or in the, <laughs> in the world, and, like, it really, it really drives home that all of this stuff is happening in a human
1: world right or i mean that humanity go, is the thing that's interesting about it is that right. like oh despite and, and all these that, demons there's humanity right. and
0: that humanity is under threat and worth saving but yeah. like, when they go off into these little mystical castle pockets like who like it's also removed from everything that that's i think also what i had a problem with yeah. with this whole trial thing I was agree. it's kind of like well kinda silly. It, it all feels like He's at medieval times or something, you know. Well, like, right. it's and then, not, then there can't
1: just be this. Uh, oh, uh, everything that you've done doesn't matter because you could have always appealed to higher powers that could have just fixed everything. it's kind of like also takes away from pretty much everything they do on both of these shows.
0: Like on one hand, I like that Angel explores the wider demon worlds. Like, I like you know, that, that the, it explores they do yeah. do like some of that stuff, but I think they're leaning on it as a crutch. But a I think. Bit.
1: What I think you're right to say that, but the ways that they succeed at it is when they like Angel pretty much from the get go was a lot more gray area about demons than Buffy is or will be. So I think that's the thing that, yes, opening up the demon world more expansively is a strength of Angel, but only when they're still making, I think not in this other realm way but more in this like demons live every day in LA and they have their own hot spots and they have their own clubs and they have their own drama between each other that's the stuff that I think is interesting about Angel rather than this like there's a higher power that could just poof everything that could deus ex machina our way out of any situation is annoying that's not good storytelling no but also shoot I had another thought but I kind of forgot what it was so we're in that boat together today um I still can't remember what I wanted to say (laughs) I guess... Oh, I I think it's... I guess what I want to say, too, though, is like, yeah, the the other thing that is... It's frustrating that they draw him into this other world for seemingly emotional arc reasons. But way back in season one, again... (laughs) Putting Cordelia back into the story, she's always been one of the people who's kind of spearheaded this whole, like, the thing that Angel needs is to connect to humans and or or anybody with humanity in them, you know, whether that's a demon or not. So it's like, again, that he's like so focused on Darla, he's not accomplishing that thing that he, again, really clearly needs. So it's like he's not making connections with anybody. He's just mulling over the same problem over and over again.
0: And, and maybe... This is giving too much credit. But maybe it's also intentional to, to show that. Like, maybe yeah. You know, I mean Because I, I think there is an arc happening in this season where yeah. you know Angel is withdrawing a little bit more and becoming more
1: self obsessed yeah, with like yeah. the things that
0: like or convinced that he alone knows what right. is important right. and what needs to be done. And I think there's a theme where he learns that that's not true mm-hmm. and kind of relearns that he needs to connect with humanity and, you know, out there Mm -hmm. and we learn it in a much better way than a demon that travels from host to host Mm -hmm. in during sex or whatever but like but I think that right now we're in the part where it's just frustrating to watch because he's retreating and it on the one hand it's like I appreciate that the show is willing to kind of take its time and we're not just getting a one episode arc of this where like Angel is doing this gradually and over time but it does suffer from it at the same time because it's less enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And,
1: but they just kind of, kind of putting like their slow burn eggs in the wrong basket though because then what we're not getting is the satisfaction we need to figure out anything that ever really happened between Darla and Angel.
0: Yeah. Well I think I mean I think that's part of the problem is yeah. that the misfire of Darla and Angel is I think it's great to have this like epic mm-hmm, backstory mm-hmm. for Angel's vampire existence but it doesn't and you know this is just an accident of casting right because yeah yeah um Julie Benz was only in like one episode or one or two episodes of yeah. Angel or, or Buffy. Buffy and disappeared so like it didn't really matter if she and Angel had chemistry because they weren't right. playing for you know romance or whatever and so but bringing her back in the flashbacks and in person and the real world like not the real world but you know what I mean yeah 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 like bringing her back To where they are now, and to have them have to interact and like play this like, or at least on her side, Mm -hmm. like kind of romance side of it, or at least more interactions. Like the lack of chemistry between them is really taking its toll. It's a problem. Like it's not. I think it. I think the story would still be problematic, but I think it would work a lot better if you wanted to watch the actors together on screen. Right. And yeah, I think like having the interactions. In the a few episodes ago, comparing the interactions of Spike and Drusilla to Angel and Viola right, was right. really illuminating. It's right, <laughs> right, right. Like, like, oh, I can watch I these two all day, and yeah. I don't care what's happening with the other two. And I think that's unfortunate, and probably not something that they could control. Really, I mean, I think Julie Benz is doing fine, but I just don't think that her interactions yeah. with David Boreanaz, yeah, are they just don't great. bring anything because he's also not. Like he's not an amazing actor, no, right? And no, I think he it needs ch- truly changes
1: based on his scene partner. It does, but also that the thing that he ends up being able to do well is some. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think about like what works in Bones and looks like that they have this kind of jokey relationship. Like they have try, chemistry. Try, <laughs> they they have chemistry, but I guess yeah. Trying to lean too hard on him brooding over her is like maybe not the way to get them to that point. Yeah. Like we never and see I- them having. F- fun together I guess we do no. but they try to show it and it just doesn't work I, yeah I don't know I can't pick it apart
0: and I I really hope this isn't turning into like every week we're just like
1: <laughs> I, on hate it. this show. I know. But,
0: but it's I think we're in a rough patch like I think you know we we talked a lot last season about the growing pains of this show mm-hmm. and where they started and where they got to at the end and then it's like they've kind of backslid yeah, a little bit yeah. with this arc and and it's like i know where it's going
1: and i'm excited
0: but i'm i just forgot i mean i guess the difference is that there. i don't
1: remember <laughs> i remember some really big story beats and i remember some things that i like but i don't remember which arcs happen when like i don't remember what we're building up to with this right now i mean i sort of do but like not really so i don't know it's going to be very interesting to get through it i know that what will help me for sure is when they stop focusing on only our Angel and Darla because I do care about Wesley and I care about Cordelia and I care about Gunn and, and some new characters that aren't even in the show yet. Those are the things that I remember really enjoying about Angel. So again, it is I do feel a little bit like we're spinning our wheels because it's just so focused on them and I know I don't like that. So it's like hard because I want them to get to a place where they're not doing that. <laughs> but I don't remember yeah, when that I, happens.
0: I also wonder if, you know, if we think about when these shows are airing, what's going on, you know, Buffy at this point, the writers the showrunners they know what's gonna happen yeah, in yeah yeah and I wonder if like say Joss Whedon is like devoting most of his time to making sure that he gets that right mm-hmm. and there's not as much attention being paid to Angel because it almost seems like they've forgotten the the thing that they do well which is right ensemble yeah. shows right like about Angel finding
1: that, his humanity and not just his soul <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're and totally I totally backed away from that
0: Right, like this is why Buffy was it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it's about Buffy and her friends mm-hmm. and that's the reason that it's good. Like a show just about Buffy on a self-righteous quest to be like right, the best right, slayer ever right. is like it's way less compelling. Yeah. And I think that's what we're stuck in with Angel is like they've sort of forgotten like okay, you guys remember that that time when you expanded the right, cast right, and now you've right. got three other people to orbit around Angel that and have chemistry and with him. And, <laughs> Yeah, you've done some world building. We've got some other demons that are interesting. We've got the Wolfram Heart Hart people. Like, mm-hmm. what if Angel interacted with those people and there was a show around that? You yeah. Know? Like, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think that we're in a point where it's very... And, and also, too, I think I've talked about this where the flashbacks are helpful and interesting and I do enjoy them, but they also have the effect of isolating Angel even more because yeah. nobody on the show is taking part in his fl- in his past, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and there's also like, yes, just the nature of that, like they're removed from the story because the story is also 50% of it's taking place in the past.
1: Yeah, I think they just are not understanding what worked, like what worked about Lindsay was watching him be conflicted about how he's chosen this dark life, but he does still have some moral twinges, you know, and so it's like watching him just lose himself in the infatuation with Darla is not satisfying. Whereas it was satisfying to watch him decide that children was a line that he couldn't, you know, it was like a little bit silly because it's like, he's so villainous still, but like, but like that was really interesting to me and watching him have those kind of conflicts and have those conflicts with angel and his crew is really interesting. Watching him just fangirl over Darla for no reason is infuriating. And it takes away what was interesting. What's interesting about Wolfram Hart, you know?
0: Also it makes Lindsay really one note. Like he's like infatuated with this, you know, beautiful woman and it's just like his reaction or his actions because of it are just gross. And it's like, mm-hmm. great, another sleazy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, like, yeah. yeah, how interesting to watch. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and it makes Lindsay less compelling. It I does. Think. Yeah. I think <sighs> it's supposed to do the opposite, but I.
1: Right. Yeah. It just, the, the,
0: the times where they're trying to humanize Lindsay are not working. Mm-hmm. So, where's Lila? I want Lila. Yeah, back. me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Although, hey silver lining in this episode no Kate
1: (laughs) it's true Jordan told me that she's definitely coming back Ah, I can't bring my Jordan why he might
0: maybe he's wrong
1: but he has seen Angel a lot more than us or more than me He
0: like ruined that that was supposed to be an unwelcome surprise yeah
1: (laughs) well we'll see if she never comes back it'll still be a happy surprise I guess
0: I guess that's true yeah I know, I could just, I say this all the time, I could just go look that I up. I know, but, but I don't I want have, to know. Now I don't it's want like a point know. of pride I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I will not be brought so low as to look yeah, like <laughs> one case can appear an angel. <laughs> I don't want to remove the satisfaction of screaming and anger at my TV. Yeah, when I see same. Him when I <laughs> um, speaking of the credits, I think they did a really good job mm. in this episode mm-hmm. with the Drusilla surprise. Yeah, it was surprising. Her, they didn't put her name in the credits until the end.
1: Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember that. No, I, so I knew was, she was, was nice. coming, yeah.
0: obviously, but I did not remember it being
1: yeah. in this episode. Yeah. yeah. So that was nice. But Whew. Okay. What are we going to watch next week?
0: <laughs> next week oh. we're going to watch Into the
1: Woods.
0: I'm going to be back. It's coming. We're finally there. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it's a nice... I do like that episode, though. Yeah. Um,
1: well. And, oh. well... I'm nervous.
0: Yeah. And then on Angel... Reunion. Uh, Oh, Reunion. Okay. Um,
1: I I don't... uh, Everything could be anything in Angel. I only remember... No, I
0: I think I remember. Yeah. Um,
1: Uh Uh-oh. I just saw something I didn't want to see. Maybe some... Never mind. I won't say it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
0: so we got those coming up. Have you watched any fun pop culture? Or read any fun pop culture? Or listened to any fun pop culture? Yeah, this
1: is... I feel like, I guess if we do this long enough, I'm just going to circle back to all the same things every time I get reminded that I love them, but whatever. Um, a podcast that I've mentioned before, uh, just came back and I'm excited about it. So this podcast is called spooked and it's like a spinoff show from, um, this WNYC podcast called, um, snap judgment. So it's the same host and it's him and his story producers put together like spooky, um, ghost stories basically. So like supposedly real ones. Um, I just really like it. It seems like he, the guy, what I realized, um, I've probably had this realization before, but I just really love the guy who hosts the podcast. Like he has this like really deep personal backstory about kind of why he's interested in ghost stories, but he's just really fascinating. Like every time he kind of, you know, he does like the lead ins to every episode. He's not the storyteller in all the episodes, but he's kind of like, you know, he's the host and he always has this sort of personal introduction that he ties into the stories that they're going to tell. And like, he just, he's a great storyteller. He has a wonderful voice. That's like also perfect for spooky things. (laughs) And then, yeah, like he kind of has this, like, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of reasons why he's interested in ghost stories, but basically the very first episode of spooked that, uh, that they did as its own, when they were doing their own spinoff, he kind of has this backstory about, um, like his brother dying and how they had this pact that like, when you die, you're going to show me that, you know, show like basically come back to me sort of. And it, I don't know, it's just like it's it's like knowing that it has this kind of emotional undercurrent, even though the stories aren't always sometimes they're sort of frivolous and sometimes they're like deeper, really, you know, dark things that people have encountered. And sometimes they're really personal and emotional, but like they kind of run the gamut. But like knowing that it has this really genuine reason or just like genuine. uh, I can't think of the word, but does this comes across as very genuine how about I say that I really like it that he's not doing this to make fun of people and he's not doing it to prove to people that ghosts exist but it's like but there is this personal connection for him and I think it shows in the way that they tell the stories and like some and some of them are genuinely really terrifying (laughs) I was just gonna ask is it scary scary it's scary and I think a lesson that I think probably people many people are familiar with is like sometimes listening to podcasts like it really gets in your head in a way that tv shows can't Cause it's like, feels really like it's coming from your brain a little bit. And I think that aspect really heightens it as well. Not every story is super scary, but some of them are really scary. (laughs) Like anyway, so they start in last year, they did the same thing. They started in August and they released 13 episodes leading up to Halloween. So it's like more or less one a week until they, then they start speeding it up a little bit. Um, so I like that it's giving me a way to be slightly in on Halloween, even though it's only August and this first couple stories were pretty good and I'm just really excited. And I went back and listened to all the old ones. (laughs) 'Cause I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> but if you have any interest in being scared or hearing scary stories, I think you would like it. If you don't want to be scared, then there's no then there's no reason to do it.
0: <laughs> I I will stay away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ghost stories freak me out. I'm, like and, I Yeah. Like ghosts and demon possession yeah. stories yeah. are like I can't I can uh-huh. like
1: Oh, they're so good nope. too.
0: No. Oh. I'm like still not recovered from that time I accidentally watched um that demon possession movie
1: (laughs) I don't know which movie do I
0: it's like the one they did that was like shot on like security cameras or Uh, or home video or whatever the and they made like three of them but I forget the name of it
1: oh uh oh god the one where they set up the recording in their house
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah yeah
1: oh I can't think of the name of it either but I know what you're talking about
0: yeah. I, I watched like movie. the second one and I was like, "Oh my god." Uh,
1: I got a whole list of scary movies that we got to watch this year. So, not not me and you, but me and whoever. No. Definitely <laughs> me and not me other wants you. to watch them. <laughs> you and other me people and other have people. fun. <laughs> I'm just really excited about Halloween. I'm gonna do some more yeah. Halloween crafts. I'm going to watch more Halloween movies and I'm going to listen to these scary podcasts. <laughs> Are you doing any more Buffy Halloween crafts this year? Um, if I can come up with an idea, I think I had one. Uh, but I forget without going back through who knows what.
0: You should make me a Gentleman, look, or not the Gentleman book, but a Kendis okay,
1: book. To, but we could do a Gentleman one, too, would be creepy. Could do that, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll or see how Or when it goes. we get to
0: that part, you can do the ones where they have
1: the books that spell out Wolfram and Hart. Mmm. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. I think There's I There's lots yeah. of book
0: projects coming up for you. Well, I want to
1: try and do a diff, like, focus on a different craft this year, but we'll see. Because I also want to, like, invite people over to do Halloween crafts and watch scary movies, so I don't know. I don't know where I'll end up.
0: (laughs) Well, if I come visit, I'll do the crafting, and I'll sit in another room with my headphones on. No, we can start start with the witch movies
1: movies that are palatable. Oh, yeah. If if you were here, we could do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Okay, sorry, that was really long-winded, but uh, Glenn Washington is the host of Snap Judgment and Spooked, and they're both pretty great, but definitely, especially Spooked. Uh, What about you?
0: Uh, I'm going to continue my rom-com is back. Oh, uh, oh I hope you're going to talk because, about what I want you to. Yeah, I, I went to see Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, I really want to see it. Was it I, good? First of all, like, I read all three books in like a oh, week. Oh, I haven't read so them, but I want to too. I was like uh. very into them. And so I was, needless to say, when I found out they were making this movie, I was like sold. Like yeah. I was like, I am going to go see this movie in the theater. I'm going to support the hell out of this. Yeah. Like for various reasons, it's, I think, important to do, but, like, also just personally, like, I really loved the books. Yeah, yeah. They're just fun. Like, it's like and it's, reading a pop song. And a, like, it's, yeah,
1: and a good rom-com is, like, few and far between, honestly. Like, they really got yes. overblown and bloated, and, like, everyone was just doing them, and they were all bad. <laughs> and yeah, we've kind of I taken think, a step back from that, maybe, hopefully.
0: Yeah, so I went to the movie. It was, you know, I mean, by the book, like, no big surprises. Yeah. Like, Visually spectacle like great soundtrack. I mean actually the soundtrack was amazing mm-hmm. um and great acting mm-hmm. I mean like whoever anyone is like I, we just can't find Asian talent is just lying yeah. because these people were amazing yeah. and you know it was just so fun and you know I went on Friday like I had the day off on Friday I like went it was like just a great time I took myself on a little adventure oh, yeah. to the movies and and then um, yesterday, I watched To All the Boys I've Loved Before Yeah, that's another on one that I just heard of. Yes. Oh, I want to watch that, Which too. Which is another series that I read all three books. in Oh, a I didn't week. know
1: it was a book. Okay. Yeah. I only just and heard about that It's a young, young one, adult like series.
0: Okay. Um, there are, like, three books, and it's, like, young adult. But I, so I was really excited when that one was announced for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so I watched that, and it was also great and heartwarming. And I was like, why? Can we just have more of this, yeah. <laughs> So, um, That's exciting. if you okay. don't want to watch both those. scary movies, yeah. I highly recommend the rom-com genre because it's been a good year for it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Are you going to watch Sabrina though? Is that too scary for you? You know what? I'm going
0: to watch Sabrina. Okay. I'm going to expect so that it's going to be too scary. I think for it is me, gonna be really, I really scary. <laughs> I hope it's really
1: scary. Oh, okay. I can't wait for that. I didn't it realize. Like, yeah. I
0: think it might just be more creepy than yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, but I'm on board with that. I'm okay. I'm excited. Um,
1: that's going to be soon because I think I'm done with Riverdale, but Oh, I, I'm not, but that's fine.
0: I got a whole whole I mean, I'm going to watch but like in chunks, oh you my know, god. like yeah. I'm not going to watch it week to week. I just like
1: can't. A whole bunch of my old coworkers got into it like over the last month and so now I've been getting all these residual <laughs> texts about like, "Oh my god," and then this thing, and I was like, "This is really I'm really enjoying this." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would watch it with me when I was watching it, but now everyone's getting back on board, so I'm satisfied. <laughs>
0: And you're like, wait for the despair in season two. No, no
1: despair. <laughs> it was fine. Fu- you know what? Binging it was probably better, though. I think week to week was a little bit trying. Yeah. Um,
0: um. Okay. I did end up, like, binging the end of the season, and that was better, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. We should go. <laughs> this yeah. Is a yeah. Long, we had some short <laughs> ones, and now this is, like, really long. <laughs> well, what team are you on before we oh, go? Oh, my God. Oh, I didn't even think about it. I guess I'm team Dawn again. Okay. Um
0: i certainly not team angel. No, no, no way in hell. Um, <laughs> but I think, um, I think I want to be, um, team Riley this time okay. because it's probably yeah. the last time I'm going to want to do it. And, it is. <laughs> um, but I, but I also really think like he stepped up in a way he in did. this episode yeah. and, and I appreciate
1: it. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with that. All right. All right. Talk to you next week.
0: Once more with commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny.
1: Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
0: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at morewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast.
1: You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.